Thanks for listening. Our mission here at Life West Church is to see you and your family equipped and empowered to be and do all that God has for you. For additional resources and info, go to lifewest.church. All right. Good morning. Good morning. Happy Sunday. How's everybody doing? You guys alive, awake, enthusiastic, and sweating. It is so humid outside. I was like, and I get another shower. This is awesome. Hey, welcome. If I haven't had a chance to meet you, uh, my name is Samuel, and honestly, just the absolute privilege of, of my life and Becca's life to get to serve you guys here at Life West. And we're going to have some fun this morning. It's going to be a little bit different because this morning, I'm going I'm to come sit down. I'm going to sit down. I'm, I'm just going to sit down. And not on the stage. That, would, that might be fun. I might do that next week. Who knows? But actually, um, Jesse, Madi, who was just up here, and, and Jesse joined us not too long ago now, although we've known them for a very long time. And, and Jesse serves with the kids and the children and the youth and just kind of helping to make all of that happen. But he's actually going to kind of come up and share this morning. So would you please stand up, give a big Life West welcome to Jesse as he comes on up here and shares right, this morning. All right. All right, all right. You all got the best pastors. Wait, wait, let me rephrase that. We all got the best pastors ever. Awesome. Thank you, Samuel, Pastor Samuel and Becca. You guys, oh my goodness, this is going to be amazing. I'm super excited. But before I get started, I want to share something with you guys. We're about to celebrate five years of Life West. Okay, that, come on. We about to celebrate five years of Life West Church family. Pastor Samuel just talked about how we just joined a team. This is our 11th Sunday. Yes, 11th Sunday that we've been on staff and on the team, and it's been phenomenal. But I wanted to share something with you guys. We actually have been a part of you guys for the last five years. And I'm going to explain why, okay? So five years ago, I, my wife and I were leading another church in, uh, in Holland area, and I remember Pastor Samuel giving me a call and saying, hey, we're about to start up a church. And I'm like, whoa, this is awesome. What can we do to help? And I remember the first thing we did is we went straight to prayer. And then we invited Samuel, Pastor Samuel and Becca to come to our church to give a, a word. And he brought about 25 people that were a part of the launch. Just curious, anybody remember that is, that is here? They were there at that time about five years ago. Okay, a few of you guys were there. All right. And the reason why I knew the hands were not going to go up because I bet you those guys are serving right now. They're doing something right now. So I was hoping, I was hoping there was no hands. But five years ago, we had such a great combination service. I mean, we had a blast and our hearts were in tune with their hearts. We were praying behind the scenes. And I remember the day they were going to launch. We scrambled around to try to find a guest speaker at my old church, and I could not find one, so I missed out. But we were desiring to be there. But we did show up to a service, and then we showed up to your guys' first two services, 9 and 11. We were here, um, and we were just so supportive and just stood connection with them. And the reason why I bring that up is because of this. When you look in the New Testament, when you look at the Apostle Paul, he wrote letters to the church, right? The church of Galatia, the church of Ephesus, the church of uh, Corinth, and so many churches he wrote to. And if you pay attention to how he writes, not just the context, but how he writes, there is a similarity in his letters where he prays for the church. He, he prays for gratitude of their faith because they're believing God. They're standing in faith. He prays for salvation 
and the church. He prays that Christ be glorified, is what Scripture says, in the church. But this is what intrigued me. He prays to the Lord, and he says, and if God willing, that he will see them in person. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Have you read that? He will see them in person. Because that was a desire and a burning heart he had. And I bring that up is because the last five years, we've been praying. We see life west in person, and we try to make things happen. And God will. He called us here. He called us here. So 11 weeks ago, we joined the team, and it has been phenomenal. And church, that was five years ago. I'm excited to see what God's going to do through us five years from now. Look around for a second. Look around. Just look around. Look around. It's okay. You can give each other eye contact. That's totally fine. I know it's like, uh, uh. Say hi to somebody. I'm making it more awkward now. Say hi to them. Hi. <laughs> because in five years from now, I want to come up here and say, who was here five years ago when I gave my first message at Life West? And I want to see no hands because you guys are all serving, right? Just saying. Just saying. No, I'm sorry. I'm kidding. What I'm saying is don't miss out on what God's going to do. Get involved. It's going to be a great time. Let's go ahead and pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you right now, Lord, for this time. Lord, I just thank you for this moment that we get to honor your name. All those prayers that I talked about that Paul prayed in the church, I thank you we see them here. So, Lord, have your way now. Your word just penetrate our hearts. I, I decrease myself, Father, so that you increase in me, and we hear nothing but you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray, and we all say amen. amen. All right, first thing I want to say, because I love feedback, and I love interaction, I want you guys to repeat after me. Heart check. Okay, one more time. Heart check. That's the name of the message that I'm going to be talking about today. It's really our heart. Now, I've gone through annual physicals. Maybe you guys have uh, too, just how things going, and we love great reports. Right, you got to run more, maybe. Though that just—that's just my report. It's okay, but but the purpose of these appointments is to really just see how things are going in the body, right? Physically speaking, uh, and a lot of times, the, one of the main things that they look at is your heart. And I've praise the Lord gotten great reports about the heart and what the heart brings. And I—I I, I don't know all terminology, but I know the generic side of the heart, which it, the heart is a muscle that operates. The circulation system. In other words, it's a pump that pumps in blood through your whole body, gives you the nutrients that you need, the oxygen. But what I learned was that it also carries away unwanted carbon dioxide. I didn't know that. I, all, I knew that the heart, when it pumped, it gave good, good stuff, but I didn't realize it took bad stuff away. It's a healthy heart. Everyone say healthy heart. Healthy. Everyone say heart check. Heart See, with a healthy heart, it does its, its function, its portion in our body, and we're not limited to do, I mean, we're not, we're not. We can run, we can play, we can jump, we can scream, we can worship. But I've witnessed people with an unhealthy heart, physically, an unhealthy heart, where they have limitations. One of those people I witnessed is my younger sister. I, I have four younger sisters. There's five of us. I'm the oldest out of all of them. And one of them was born with a heart defect. So all her life, she was limited. She was limited she couldn't go to gym class. She had to get a waiver from the doctors all the time. Uh, she couldn't run. And what was happening was in her heart, her aortic valves were born with three that pump in blood and three that pump out. 
Well, the three that were pumping blood in were fine. The problem was the three that were supposed to be pumping blood out, one was pinned shut, the other one was half open. So she was working with half of the, the flow of the blood coming out. So when she would run, the blood's coming in, but not enough as blood is coming out. So what's happening is her heart could enlarge, and the danger was explode. So I share that because I witnessed someone with an unhealthy heart physically, and I've seen the limitations. Now let's fast forward because I don't want to sit there. She's healed in the name of Jesus Christ. She did have a surgery that restored all her aortic valves. And she, first thing she did after she cleared up from surgery is she went jogging for the first time in her life. She was like 20, right? I think she was about 20 years old uh, at the time. And it's like this, there was no more limitations to a healthy heart. And in a sense, in a spiritual sense, it's what God is aiming for us in our lives. He wants us all to live with a healthy heart. You see, the biggest phrase that we hear in culture, the biggest uh, sentence that you hear really anywhere, I remember hearing up, that's not in the church but more of a, a secular view, is to follow your hearts. Follow your hearts. But Scripture specifically shows us that our hearts need to be invested in. And if our heart is not healthy in a spiritual sense, we're following something not good and can lead us away from God. Everyone say heart check. You see, Proverbs, there's scripture in Proverbs, chapter 3, verse 5. It's all about the heart. The Lord says, trust in the, trust in the Lord with all your hearts. Proverbs 4, 23 says, guard our hearts. Proverbs 23, 26 says, my son, give me your Psalm 51, 10. Oh, God, create me in me a pure You see this in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, Matthew 6, 21, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. This whole life that we're in, it's about our heart. I love it because in Matthew, here's an assignment for you. Yes, I'm going to give you an assignment. It's to read Matthew chapter 13, the whole chapter. Matthew 13. Take it home tomorrow, first thing. Make it a devotion. And study it out. You'll run into the parable, a couple of parables, but the main parable I want to talk about is the sower, the farmer who sowed the seed. And I'm not going to read the whole thing, and I believe it's all up there, but I'm not going to go through the whole thing because of time's sake. But when you, when you look at the story of the farmer who sowed seed, his intentions were to get that into good soil. But the reality was some seed fell on the pathway, some on rocky soil, some with soil that had thorns in it, eventually to the point where it got into good soil. And I love it because as he's sharing these parables, the disciples, the 12 disciples who are with Jesus, are with him, and they're wondering what this whole mystery is about. Why are you speaking in these story forms? And Jesus responds this way. He says, it's because I need you to know I will reveal it to you. And I paraphrased it. And Jesus ends up re revealing the story of what it meant, and he talked about the heart. He talked about the farmer being our heavenly father. He talked about the message of the word of God being the seed. And he talked about the ground being our hearts. And when he revealed that to them, the message sunk into their heart. See, what we need to get to is a place of understanding that we are responsible for the condition of our heart. 
We're not here to follow our heart. We're here to lead our heart. Lead it. And you do that solely by getting in the word of God. Get in the word of God. Solely in that. You know, in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7, the Bible says, The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And so what God is doing is he's taking us, he's using parables, he's using his word so that we can take what's on here, sink it into here, and let it drip into here. So that our heart is being invested in and it's being led because there is a desire our Father has for us. That I believe I'm still being worked on every single day for the rest of my life. And that desire is to have a heart like his heart. You see, some of those, those traits or those attributes is that in our heart, God desires for us to serve him. He desires us to love him and to keep his word. Not just read his word, but keep his word. To follow him. To seek him. To praise him. To trust him. And to believe him. You know, I look at the story of the Israelites in the Old Testament. We know the story of Moses and, and, and going to Egypt and let my people go. You know, that whole deal. That's like, I was like Rocky, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sylvester Stallone should have played Moses. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> Rabbit trail. Sorry, guys. But you look at, you look at Mo- Moses. I almost said Rocky. Moses. <laughs> And he had to, I lost my train of thought. Where was I going with that one? Oh, yeah, you look at Moses. There you go. And he brought the people out of Egypt into the desert, okay? And he does this thing in the desert with them. But there's a point where the Israelites start complaining and grumbling and start talking about going back because it's hard for the moment. And what I believe right then and there, because I talked about trusting and believing, is a desire that God has for us, is that the Israelites... They had to learn to trust God for the moment, but they had to learn to believe God for tomorrow. When God said, grab enough manna for just today, and I'll supply for tomorrow, and they gathered for tomorrow, that showed that they were not believing him by his word, that he's there tomorrow. And I questioned myself. I challenged my heart. Am I, I trust in God, but am I believing him by his word that he'll be there tomorrow, that he'll pay my financial whatever, that he'll be there for my kids when I'm not there? That I have everything, my job, whatever it was. And I challenged my heart. Do I believe, I trust him, but do I believe him that he's there tomorrow? And it took me some time. And I would admit I wasn't at at the first. But I've learned and I've grown because I kept going to the word of God. I kept going to this. I kept putting this here. I kept meditating. I kept dropping it in here. And as time was going on and as oppositions were happening, I kept saying, I believe you by your word, God. You're there tomorrow because your word says you're the same yesterday and today. Oh, yeah, and forevermore. And forevermore. And so when I saw saw him in that, my heart started transforming. And that's when I started seeing God really bring it to place to place for me to reach more hearts, for you to reach more hearts. The perfect example is David. David. David as a shepherd boy versus David as a king. You can, look for, you can find the story about David, especially when he's younger in 1 Samuel 17. But you'll see that David was anointed king of Israel, but at such a young age, the position didn't come until later. 
And the reason why was because later on you'll see that God reveals, David was after my heart, is what the Lord says. Because when royalty came to his house, he didn't get in line and try to strut his stuff like his brother did. He went to the fields and stood obedient to what God wanted him to do in his calling. It was shepherd sheep. And because of that, he was anointed and called over all his brothers. Everyone say heart check. There are three things. I'm going to make this practical, very, very easy. But three practical things I want to apply in our life because one of the things I love doing is making God's word some practical, practical, practicable. I can't say that word. Applicable. There you go. There's another word. The moment you walk out and leave. And you can start exercising these things. Again, we're just examining our own hearts because we love the Lord with all our heart. And we want to follow his way. But the first way that you can really set your heart up for you to be invested in by God, and I said it a little bit, was set your heart in God's word. Set your heart in God's word. I love Christ-centered movies and TV shows. But I've learned watching three episodes of The Chosen is not a daily devotion. It's not. I'm guilty. Come on, don't leave me hanging. Like, yeah, I watched those three episodes. I'm good with God now. You're laughing, but you're not confessing right now. <laughs> I'm joking. But truly, true way to set your heart and your heart postured into God is in his word. Because his word is for teaching, correcting, training, and rebuking. And we have to be okay with that. We have to be okay with what God is saying to us and about our lives. A lot of times, we just don't know where to start. That's okay. Look around you right now. Just look around you. Again, I know it's awkward, but look around. Look at the people around you. We're family. We're family. Let's do it together. We have these cool ministries and the dwelling place happening and young adults and pool parties and all. That's great. But just because it's not on the slide doesn't mean we, don't, we can't get together to dive into his word together. This is what God intended for our lives. Set your heart in God's word. Let, again, with the pages of what's in the Bible, come into here and let it sink into your heart. In James chapter 1, verse 19 through 21, the Bible says, My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce that righteousness, the righteousness of God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent. And, everyone listen to this part, humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Humbly accept the word. Humbly, he's talking about humility here. Humbly accept it. So when you read it and you're digesting it, He's asking you to accept what it says, to not counter it or find reason why we're not doing what he says. And how we do that is by having four different attitudes. The first one is when we're approaching his word, let's be quiet. And I'm not talking about your voice being quiet. I'm talking about all of the commotion that's around us. Maybe it's a cell phone. Maybe it's children, and don't get me wrong. I'm not saying yell at your kids, say, be quiet. What I'm saying is work something out where you can have some alone time 
One of the favorite things I love doing with my wife is if she needs time with the Lord, then me and the kids, that's my time with them. And I'm just, it's daddy time, and it's vice versa. But find that, discover that quiet time. The second attitude you want to have is to be calm. Don't rush what God is saying to us. Don't time yourself, okay, I'll give you 15 minutes, Lord. I mean, if it goes through this, praise the Lord. But don't intentionally rush what God is speaking in your heart. One of my favorite moments is when I, I aim for, okay, about 15 minutes. I'm not going to put a timer, but it's going to be about 15 minutes. And an hour went by, and it didn't feel that way. It's because I fellowshiped with the Father. He desires that for us. Another one, third uh, attitude, is to be true to yourself. Well, what do I mean? If there is a struggle or a sin you're in, confess it to him in that moment. You know why? Because God is ready to give you mercy. You don't have to run away from him. He doesn't want you to run. He wants you to come to him so he can extend mercy into your life. He wants you to experience his forgiveness. He wants to remind you why Jesus died for you. Come to him. And the last one is be ready to do what he says. Everyone say, I'm a doer. That means being loving, being generous, being merciful, being involved. For I, I gave my life back into, to Christ back in 2005, and I was probably about 19, 20 years old at the time. I didn't grow up with Christ in my life. But I had a Christian friend from the age, or from grade 7th all the way to uh, high school. We graduated together. And he would constantly just be an example, a light of Jesus in my life. He wanted my life to turn around, and I mean, multiple times he would invite me to church, and I would turn him down. I'm like, no, I'm good. I'm good, bro. Thank you. I'm good. And I remember some other friends got involved, and they were really wanting to come to this church, right? Like, just come to this church. So they found an approach, and that approach was they started talking the end times to us. <laughs> Late Saturday night. This is somebody that don't have Jesus, that's involved with the world at the time in 2005, and I remember them scaring me. <laughs> they were talking about hell. So I believe they scared that hell out of me. Like, it was just, it was, it was scary. And I remember looking at them like 11 at night and saying, what do I need to do? And they were so young in it as well. They didn't, they didn't know. They're like, just come to church. Come to church with us. That's it. Just come to church. I mean, that exciting. Right? They were like, and I'm like, okay, we'll go to church. And I remember my, my wife, at the time we were just boyfriend and girlfriend, but my wife had said, look, the finger was there, look, if we go this one time, you will never ask us to go again. And they said, deal. And the next morning, we heard the gospel for the first time and an altar call for the first time, and we gave our life to Christ. And fast forward 18 years now, and we're here delivering what we were opposed almost 20 years ago because of a heart transformation. It all comes to that. It took one person to be a doer and to not quit, even it took him seven years, to not quit being a doer of God's word to the point where a life was changed. And I am eternally grateful that he didn't give up on me. I am eternally grateful that God called him into my life. Then I saw the responsibility that he had on me. And I said, I got to be a doer now. It's time for me to do something. Church family, you have a responsibility that God says only you could reach. In your, I placed them there. Will you continue to be a doer? The second, the second one is this. The second point is to set your heart 
not just in the word, but to set your heart for worship. Now, Sunday morning, we have great worship together as a family, but you don't have to wait all week. We can worship God throughout the week. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 22 and 23, the Bible says, Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. The Spirit of God wants to do a work in our heart, especially during a worship plan. I love what Madi was saying earlier. She was talking about the dwelling. She says, there's something about worship that just something happens, and a lot of times we can't explain it. I mean, just this morning, I'm worshiping, I'm like, oh, I'm sorry, Lord. Like, I'm, I'm like, I'm, forgive me, because God's working in my heart. Who's ever had that? You're in the middle of worship, and, like, your uncle comes into mind, and it's like, oh, God, why did I hang up so quick? I just confessed what I was going through. Is that going to go? <laughs> or, or, man, I got to go to this cookout, and I was planning not to, but because I'm going to see that, like, God's working in us. during there's, God melts the heart. He puts it in fire, his fire, and he purifies, he cleanses it because he wants us to reflect him. He doesn't want any... Stain on a mirror, in a sense. I mean, a lot of times we're trying to clean it. He wants us to solely reflect the Father's heart. Matthew 18, 20, for where two or, or three gather in my name, there am I with them. How many are we here? We're, we're coming together. God's here. When I, right before, pause, right before I came to Life West, right before we transitioned over, about a week before, maybe, or two weeks before, I had this dream, and I shared this with Joel. Um, and this dream was simple, okay? So I had this dream. I was excited to come over here, and the dream was we walked into this room as my, with my family, my wife and my four kids, and we walked up to here, and it was this, go figure, it was right here. Never seen really the front area, but we were here, and worship was going on, and a cloud came, and the presence of God was heavy. Then I got up, and there was food everywhere. <laughs> I'm not joking. <laughs> I, I've never experienced a, like a service like that. And Joel's like, dude, you just literally described life west. <laughs> because where two or more gather in his name, he's there. The food was great. We walked in the first time. I was like, whoa, this is amazing, you guys. Oh, I love it. Anyways, okay. Psalm, Psalm 100 verses 1 and 2. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. When we come to God with a joyful song, with gladness in our heart, no matter what the opposition is in life, but we come to him with pure joy, believing him and worshiping him, an atmosphere changes. I always tell my kids, you're not a thermometer. You're the thermostat. You set the temperature in the room. I don't care what's going on. You set the temperature. Because God called us to that. And we do that through posture and heart and through worship. When I, when I would continue to worship, there are things that God will show me in my heart to advance his kingdom. And a lot of times we cannot see it in ourselves, but when we're in a worship mode with the Lord, he reveals to us, just like the 12 disciples walking with Jesus, he revealed, Jesus revealed 
the parables. Jesus revealed himself. I mean, you look at the, the time where Jesus transformed his whole face into this glory, and these disciples saw it because God wants to reveal himself through you. Everyone say heart check. And the last point I want to give you is this one. Set your heart to inspire others. Set your heart to inspire others. And the reason why is because God called you to impact your world, wherever you're at. In 2010, I'll close it with the story and a scripture. In 2010, when I moved back, we were in Oklahoma for about four years. We were in Bible school. and we moved back to Michigan, we felt like God was calling us back. And I needed to make a living. And so I found a factory job. And this factory job was, was great. It was, they had a great reputation. Um, where I worked at was Gentex. That, that's, if you're familiar with Zealand area, there's, there's, there's a place called Gentex. And I worked there for about four years. And I was learning about what it meant to inspire others. I remember my first orientation day. I didn't quite get the job yet. They were kind of looking at our abilities, if, if we can do this or not. Can we lift 50 pounds? And I'm like, bring it on. Anyways, I'm going through this assessment, and I, I, we got hired. We got called. But I will never forget the last conversation I had. There's about a group of 10 of us and some leadership that was there. They said, number one, we're going to give you a call when you'll start. But number one, addressing the whole group, don't expect first shift. It's either going to be second or third. Okay. And don't bring this Jesus junk in this house. And I'm not joking. I remember it broke my heart. Because at the time, I, I just wanted to, I, even now, not at the time, but I wanted to share Jesus. And obviously I was getting my work done, but I wanted to share. But to be put a stop sign, I remember coming home to my wife and saying, I don't even know if I want to be there now. She encouraged me. She had said, you need to go do what you got to do and continue to be a light. I remember about five minutes later, I got a phone call. And I, and I lifted it to God. I said, God, it's on you. And I lifted it. Five minutes later, I got a call, and they offered me a first shift job. First of all, there's a celebration. God's doing something. But then I went in. And in the course of four years, I've met so many people. An ex-gang member, hardcore, served prison for years two ladies who were heavily involved in Buddhism from the country, everything a woman who was broken gone through divorce so much, just broken and there was much more people and in the course of those four years I specifically said those four because this guy became the safety of our church because he gave his life to Christ on the line this lady became our nursery director because <laughs> she gave her life on the line. This other lady had a transformation when, the, when she asked Jesus to be in her heart to the point where she cried for eight hours because God was making a home in her heart. And this person just living out for Jesus. It got so on fire in there that my boss came to me and said, can you come to the office? And I said, sure. And I remember thinking, oh, okay, this is it. I'm done. <laughs> and he sat down and he closed the shades of his office. 
and he had said, can you tell me about this Jesus? And for two hours, I ministered to my boss. Then when we left that office, he told me not to tell anybody. <laughs> he really did. I don't want to get in trouble, but I want to know more about this. I need him. Set your heart for impact because God wants to use you. It does not matter where you're at. It does not require a platform, a microphone, lights, screen, Xavier. He doesn't have to be there with an acoustic. You just need the Spirit of God in you, and I know you do. And if you don't, this is your time. Don't wait any longer. Know for sure I'm Jesus. Because even when man says, don't bring this Jesus stuff in here, Jesus is going to use you to reach even those people. I successfully finished that season, and I gave my two weeks in, and it was amazing because God was in the boat the whole time. He was with me, and he's with you. So with all eyes closed and every head bowed, I got an invitation. With the message I had and the stories I gave, I, my prayer is that you hear the Father. You don't hear me, you hear the Father. But he's calling, and he's saying, now's the time. So the invitation is this. Acts chapter 4, verse 12 tells us if we call in the name, he saves us. You got Romans chapter 10, verse 9. If you believe with your heart and confess with your mouth, Jesus wants to do life with you because he knows you can't do it alone. But he needs you to respond. Church, will you respond to him? If it's your first time ever responding, I will lead you into that prayer. We will plug you in. We will get you here and involved, you're home, but you need to respond. If that is you, on the count of three, put your hand up. One, two, three. Put your hand up. Awesome. We got a house full of believers. Then here's the second invitation, an activation. He said, you know what? I'm, if I was honest with myself, I've been stagnant. I haven't moved much outside of a Sunday. And it's time for me to move. It's time for me to reach to people that no one's really reaching because God called to me. Then let's pray as a commitment. If that's you on the count of three, raise your hand. One, two, three, raise your hand. There we go. And if you're like, hey, I'm good on both ends, then during this time I want you to think of the person that you're reaching right now and believe ways for you to reach them. Ask the Spirit of God, help me connect them. Repeat after me for those that are committing. Say, Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for your spirit and your goodness. Jesus, I commit to reach people. Give me ways, open doors to preach your gospel to a world that's hurting. In Jesus' name we pray. And we all say, Thanks for listening. Our mission here at Life West Church is to see you and your family equipped and empowered to be and do all that God has for you. For additional resources and info, go to lifewest.church.